Ephesians chapter 4. This is um, one of my favorite texts. Uh, It hasn't always been one of my favorites, but as I, um, I guess as I got more and more into, uh, I guess, you could call it my calling, I guess, but um, began just to dig more and more into what the church is supposed to to be doing um, as a pastor, as a college minister before this, and a worship leader and stuff. Um, just definitely didn't want to do things just to do it. Um, and I think that's uh, pretty common these days. Um, I think it's a a part of that like emerging way of of thinking as as new generations uh, grow up and begin to, to take over different roles in the church. Um, I, I think not that it's unique to these generations, but I think every generation as they begin to find themselves in those positions of leadership and stuff, uh, kind of ask you know kind of re- return to the basics and kind of ask those questions again of okay. Um, why, why, are, why are we doing it this way or why are we doing this at all and wanting to make sure that we're not just doing stuff to do it, you know, that there's real purpose behind it and all that. And um, we're, we're about to start some stuff this summer with our groups, our small groups and stuff. And uh, I, I don't want tonight to be a big commercial for that. Um, and I don't want this to be... Uh, be getting up here and trying to justify what we want to do scripturally. Um, there's a this thing in preaching called proof texting, and basically it would look something like this: um, I, as the preacher, would say, "Okay, I think that um, I think we need to to for, be more forgiving. So uh, let me go to the back of my Bible in the concordance and look up every time it says forgiveness, and find some text that would back up what I'm trying to say." Um, that is not the way that uh, that I was taught. Um, it's the way I've preached many times, but that's not the way I was trained in seminary, and it's, it's not the way uh, to approach uh, teaching. The proper way to approach teaching, as I've been taught and what I have really come to believe, I'm not just regurgitating stuff, um, is that you start with the text instead of starting with your own ideas. So you, you, you lay out the text before you, and then, then you pull from that, instead of trying to start with your own ideas and then um, impose what you want it to say onto the text or whatever. And so tonight is also not, I don't want to come up here and proof text and say, see, this is what we want to do with our summer community groups, and here I found a text that will back me up on this so you can't argue with me. Um, that's not what this is about. I, I want us to have a, a better understanding of what the church is supposed to be doing how we're supposed to function, and why, so that we understand why we do the things that we do. See, a, a good understanding of the scriptural basis for, for things in our existence as the Ring Community Church or whatever church you're a part of 
a good understanding of that, when you lay that in, that in front of you, then you begin to say, okay, well, I, I understand now why, why Sunday school is Sunday school. I understand why our worship services are structured the way that they are. I understand why we do things this way. I understand why, um, why we have elders. I understand why the, those things. Um, and so that's what, what we're going to do is we're going to lay this text out tonight and, and, say, and basically hopefully be able to walk away and say, because this is what the church has been called to, this is one way that our church is going to try to walk out these things and these truths. Okay? So, again, not a big commercial, not trying to plug it and get everybody to sign up for it. Um, hopefully, uh, even if you're not a part of what we do this summer, you'll, you'll understand more after we look at this text tonight uh, of what the church is supposed to be doing and why. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to go 11 through 16, and then just kind of break it down real, really quickly. Uh, look at verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, and, uh, I'm sorry, by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay? Lots of imagery there, talking about the body of Christ and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so we're just going to kind of walk through this so that, so that we can then uh, maybe understand better why, um, why we do some of these things we do. Look back at verse 11. Um, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers. Um, the first thing I think that jumps out is the fact that he gave those people with those kind of giftings. Um, sounds kind of weird to say as the pastor or whatever, but um, I'm a gift. And, uh, I mean, I, I feel really weird to say that, and I really debate if I should say it or not. Um, I don't say that as, like, I'm such a gift to you if you only understood how awesome I am. I don't want to get all like Donald Trump and tell you how great I am because that's not at all where I'm coming from. Um, to me, that, like, as a pastor, that is an incredibly... Um, sobering verse. I don't look at that and, and like my ego swells. I look at that and I get really insecure. Because to me, since I fit into those one of those areas, um, I feel like completely, completely humbled and weird about that. But what this is saying is that um, not maybe necessarily a gift in the sense of like that I'm a, this great treasure, but more that he gave me to this body to function in a certain way, it, meaning it's part of his design. Not saying that I'm a great treasure, but I'm saying that he has given, uh, he's put me here for a reason. Like he's involved in all this. That although we started from scratch and you didn't put a search committee together and go out and seek 
and find who was the best out there and bring me in and view of a call and have my weekend where you get to ask me all kinds of questions and have a vote and all that kind of stuff. We, even though you didn't do that, um, I'm not randomly here. And not just me, that we have a group of, of elders and a part of their qualification is that they are able to teach. It's scripturally there. That you have Megan who's on staff and that's a, a, a part of how God has has done this. And and there are people who are not on staff and who are not on not elders who would fit into this category as well. Many of you would look at your community group leader and say, God has given us this person or these people as our community group leaders and I like that is not random. And so we have to take just that part that he gave those to really understand what it is. Again, not not a treasure but not random, very intentional, okay? So God has put people in with certain gifts for them to play strategic roles within our church, okay? Lots of people fit into this category, all right? So, so what, are, what are those people supposed to do, and how do those people fit into all of us relationally? Look at verse 12. Is he's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, Okay? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, and this one of we talk about this verse a lot. Um, to equip, all right, to get you ready to go out there, to give you the things that you need, whether that is um, like theological training, whether that is just emotional care, whether that is just a, a relationship, you know, a, a context with, within which you can can be real and honest and transparent. Anything that that gets you ready to go into reality. Okay, to go to where you work, to where you live, anywhere that is outside of this bubble, okay, as much as, I mean, we love it, but, I mean, it certainly is, um, it is a bubble. That's not a bad thing, but it is what it is. Um, anything that gets you ready to go out and to serve, that's what we're supposed to do. So my job description um, has, has several things on it. One of the most important ones is this, is to make sure that I am doing all that I can to equip you to go and to do the work of ministry. To equip the saints, to be every one of us, okay, all Christians, for the work of ministry, to go and to serve. That is what our community groups are designed to do. That is what Sunday nights uh, is, are, are designed to do. That is what, um, that's why we have a group that goes to homeless shelters. That's why we have a youth team and a kids team. And that's why, that's why we do what we do. Because God has it's given people and put them into those leadership roles to function in that way to help equip every one of us and get every one of us ready to go out and to live in the real world. That's, that's why. That's not the only reason why. This is not the only text that describes what the church is supposed to do. But this is one of the things that we lay out in front of us and we say, okay, how are we going to get this done? So he's given us people who are gifted in certain ways to equip every one of us to go out and to live. Look at the next part of the verse. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Building up the body of Christ. Now, I don't have time to tell you everything it doesn't say there, but let me just pick a few things. It doesn't say that I'm here, I, I'll just pick on myself, but again, I could. there's a whole group of people in there. It doesn't say that I'm here to equip you to go and to minister to build up the Ring Community Church. 
It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that I'm here to equip you to go into the real world, to serve, to build up the Southern Baptist Convention. It doesn't say that I'm here da, 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 to build up any kind of denomination, any kind of, of anything. It says the body of Christ. I think it's one of the things we really struggle with. We struggle to, to understand that we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. So if you leave here on a Sunday night and through the relationships, through the songs, through the prayers, through the preaching, through the, everything, you are more ready to go to work tomorrow. And you go to work tomorrow and you minister, you serve, you love, you care, you smile, you whatever it, whatever it is. What this is saying is that builds the, the body of Christ. It's not about building up our church. It's about building something bigger. Now that, that'll reframe some things for you. Think that you loving your coworkers or you loving your neighbors or whatever has an impact that is that big. That you're making that kind of a difference, that kind of impact. You're investing in eternity. That is significant. So what that does is that greatly, greatly enhances the importance of what we do together. It it changes what that equipping is all about. For you to know that you're being equipped not so that the ring can grow and be the most awesome church ever and have the best website and the best worship services and the coolest logo and the coolest whatever and a preacher who preaches all over the country and you know does whatever. It has nothing to do with that. It's about getting you ready to make an impact on the body of Christ all around the planet. That's why we don't do this halfway. That's why we don't sing a couple of songs and then run there and eat chicken and try to raise money. That's why we don't want to jump into this summer deal with these community groups without a good understanding of, of why it is we are doing Big time impact. Now, you take all that and you look at it. Look at verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 13. We equip the saints, work of ministry to build up the body of Christ, verse 13 until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay? This verse, this is what this is what it this is what it looks like. Okay? This is what equipped saints who are stepping out and actually doing the work of ministry as the body of Christ builds, this verse starts to become more and more of a reality. Okay? Unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity of the of the faith, I take that to be a, a heart thing. Growth in the, in the knowledge of Christ, that's a relational thing. So as you're equipped and you step out there, the body of Christ becomes more and more healthy. What happens is there's unity and there's relationship. And what happens... Uh, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I was reading a, a sermon about this, and this is what the guy calls it. He says it's a corporate personality 
of Christ-likeness. A corporate personality of Christ-likeness. That as these things are happening, and as it happens more and more and more, our lives as individuals begin to look more and more like Jesus. But then you press all those things together, and there's this corporateness that happens. And yes, it happens with, within our church, but if our church is doing it, and Christ the King next door is doing it, and the chapel on the campus over here is doing it, then and, and all the churches in, in this little area right here are all doing it, then what begins to happen is there's unity. There's knowing Christ. And so these things become more and more of a reality. And as that begins to happen, and then if, if you go out from here geographically and you do all the downtown churches, and you do all you do Parkview and you do Healing Place and you do all that, the thing you know, I mean, our city is freaking out. Right? Our city's freaking out. So if God has put people in all of these churches to equip all of these saints to go out and minister, and they're actually doing that, body is becoming more more healthy there's unity of faith there's more knowledge of christ and you're attaining more to the fullness of christ that corporate personality of christ likeness next thing you know we have the city has no idea what to do that's that's the goal we want to freak people out you know the good way we want to oog them out we want them to be like what's going on like why is, the, why is the vibe of this city so different? That's what we're going for. Corporate personality of Christ-likeness. Now, here's the thing. I, as a, uh, as a pastor, I can, I'm not responsible for any of these other churches. I can't control what they do and wouldn't want to. don't even like uh, all the time having anything to say about this church because it scares me to death, honestly. Um, but, I mean, I love it but it scares me for standing before Jesus one day having to answer for it because I have no idea what that's going to look like, and I don't really want to talk about it because it scares me. Um, but um, I have no, no responsibility there, okay? So this is, this is the realm to which um, I am called. But to narrow that down even further, I have, I, I'm not responsible for you. I can't. I mean, you're responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. Now, my responsibility is to function in the way that I'm supposed to function within all this, uh, to do that right and to do that well and to all that kind of stuff. But when it boils down to it, I can't control what you do. I can bust it to make sure that you're equipped, that you have everything that you, that, that you need. I know you have everything you need in Christ, but, but beyond that, without all that equipping, I, 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 but I can't do it for you. The no small group is ever going to just be the solution to anything. It's always going to come down to personal discipline and your personal relationship with Christ and you just getting it done. But, but this is what we're going for. So for all of us to have an understanding of, of what is laid in front of us, and so we lay that out there and you say, okay, well, let's figure out how we're going to do this. That's part of where these summer things fit in say, hey, we're going to maybe try to do this in a different way. Maybe something that's that in the summer with different schedules, different whatever, it just provides us a chance to do things a little bit differently. We feel God's brought us to this conclusion. Look at the, look at the next couple of verses. Look at, the, look at the benefit of this. Let me, well, I'll get to this in a second. Okay, verse 14. I know I'm random, but you're used to it. Uh, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children, 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay? Basically, you know what this is saying? So we will not be gullible. So that we won't fall for every little thing that comes along. The more you are equipped, the more you are serving, the more the body becomes healthy, the more there's unity of faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and the, that fullness of Christ it is attained, that corporate personality of Christ-likeness. The more that is happening, the less we're going to fall for every little thing that comes along. The more we're, we're going to be able to, like, we're basically we're improving our filter. Because you got all kind of stuff coming your way. You can spend 20 minutes on Facebook, and you can have all kind of people posting all kind of crazy videos from preachers all over the place. Some of them are saying great stuff. Some of them are saying stupid stuff. Some authors who were saying really good things five years ago are saying the craziest stuff ever now. And so rather than me get up here and say, this is who you shouldn't read, and this is who you should read, just trust me. No, that's not, that's not what it's about. Let's improve your filters so whatever comes along, you know when, when red flags should go off and when it shouldn't. We sang a song a minute ago, had a theological error. And those are the kind of things we need to be able to spot. Need to have something flash up on that screen, be like, I don't think that's right. Not that you object, it caused a riot or whatever. But sometimes we change lyrics to songs because they aren't right. And this is one that we will change. There's a song called Above All. Michael W. Smith wrote it. People just love it, love it, love it. Never thought about this ever. I was at this conference. Lou Giglio was in this thing with worship leaders, and he was talking about how um, how this he hates that song because he disagrees with it. And so he said that, but he can't get his worship leader to stop doing it at the church he was going to. So he says, basically, I just correct the lyrics as I sing it corporately. You know the song? It says, you know, crucified, laid behind the stone, lived to die, or suffered and alone, something. Basically comes down to... Um, that Jesus uh, thought of me above all. That's the end of the course. Jesus thought of, thought of me above all. So Lou was like, man, I, just, I, don't, I think that's wrong. So I just change it. I remember sitting there thinking, that is brilliant. Why have I never thought about the theological implications of the songs that we sing? But what happens is, the better our filter is, when it goes up on the screen and it says, uh, here I am, uh, knowing I'm a sinful man, covered by the blood of the Lamb. And our red flags go off and say, uh, I was a sinful man, but now I'm a saint. Incorrect. Next part of the verse. And you move on. But that's what this is saying, is that, that the, the more equipped we are, the next time you're sitting around with your coworkers and they're having some discussion and someone tries to tell you that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is, is the same thing as a Christian church, then you know that it's not. We did a series on the Trinity, and that's one of the things we came away with, is you maybe have a few points where you understand that that is not the case. And when someone says, I don't really think that the virgin birth is that big of a deal, you know, whatever, then you have to go, no, big deal. But, but let's, let's go a whole different route. 
that if you are, um, if you're single and your parents are telling you that you just need to get married, you got to get married until you're married, you're not complete, this and this and this and this, that you know that they're wrong. If you are married and you don't have kids and people are putting heat on you to have kids and start a family, all this kind of stuff, and you're able to like just put the kibosh on that and say, oh, well, that's, that's not, that's not right. For someone to say, oh, you know, how long are you going to live in that little bitty house? You're going to get a bigger house. But I don't need a bigger house. How long are you going to drive that old truck until it falls apart? Someone say, you know, you can retire at age 46. You can say, life is not about that. For all these things that come at us, and they come after our insecurities, and they come after our status, and money and all that kind of stuff. You need to quit that job where you make more money. It's not about money. It's not about stuff. It's not about things. It's not about where you live or if you have kids or if you're married. Or it's, it's all about something completely different. The more equipped you are, the less, the less you're going to fall for that stuff. The less the American dream sounds so appealing. And the more the words of this book become the absolute thing that your heart beats for. Awesome. Look at this. Look at the last two verses. Verse 15. Rather, okay, rather than all that crud, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is, is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Can you think of a better legacy for our kids than truth and love? I mean, we're doing this fundraiser for them tonight so we can help send them to camp and all this kind of stuff. Is that what we're we're doing? Aren't we trying to build a church culture that they can grow up in more rooted in truth and in love than we did? That they could walk in that longer than we have? And that then whoever comes behind them walking it longer than they have. That's why we do what we do. Reading this, this preacher was talking about, you know, it says that Christ is the head. And it's like Christ as the head is, he's fully mature. Like he's arrived. He's complete. He's, he is who he is. But his body is, is not there yet. So our existence as a church, in part, is about us becoming more and more healthy, more and more healthy. Verses 11 through 16, something that happens over and over and over. And what happens is the health of the body begins to catch up with the health of the head, Jesus. It builds itself up, it builds itself up, it builds itself up. One day, it'll be where it needs to be. We'll hear a trumpet blast, Jesus will come back. And the groom shows up to take his bride, and everything's good to go. Until then, we as a church are going to continue to lay out texts like this, say, this is what we're called to do. How are we going to get this done? Sundays, community groups, ministry teams, you name it, it's always going to come back with these kinds of things. Now, on the way in, you got a sheet of paper that has uh, descriptions for you about the different topics that we are going to offer this summer. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to, um, 
Basically, you'll, you'll go to one deal for three weeks, and then our community groups are going to get together and just have a hangout night. Then the next week, uh, the ne- then you'll do another block of three weeks, okay, like every Monday for three weeks kind of deal. you hang out again, and then a third one. So you'll have a chance to go to three different things over the course of this summer that are hopefully going to fall under that category of equipping, all right? Some of, and, and they're all very different. You can see the descriptions that are there. Um, just real quick, let's run through them. Developing a missional life. We talk about everybody living as a missionary, but what in the world does it look like? Uh, how, do I, how, do you, like how do you take the steps to kind of narrow that down and figure out what that looks like? Um, this group is going to hopefully help, help that happen. Um, you'll look at what that means, and uh, by the end of it, be able to come down to maybe just start with one thing in your life uh, to connect with what God's doing in that one area. Um, Jerry Williams is going to teach that group, and so uh, that's what that one's about. Uh, defending the faith. Um, you get in conversations, uh, like I talked about just a minute ago, uh, conversations at work. Somebody comes at you and you want to talk about Jesus, and they say, I just can't follow a God who would send people to hell. You're like, all right, coffee breaks over, back to work. Um, we're we're going to talk about some of those kind of things. What do you, how do you even begin to respond to those kind of things? That's one that I'm going to teach. Um, parenting teens, I'm sure everybody in the room is going to sign up for that one. Um, uh, this is uh, this is going to be offered in one of those blocks. And if you got a teenager or you got an almost teenager um, and you want to sit around and be like, look, we got to talk about some stuff, this will be the time to do that. Uh, that's going to be taught by a variety of people. Uh, developing personal discipline. This is Kenny Wall. Uh, so many times I hear people say, I, I really I want to get in the Word, but I have no idea where to start. You know, I want my prayer life to be deeper, but I have I just I don't know in a practical sense what that looks like. Okay, this group is going to tackle some of those things and maybe help you develop develop some strategies there. Um, discerning God's will. Uh, yeah, huge question, right? What is God's will for this situation? for my life in general, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Lindsay and Jonathan come up here, and they say, we're moving to Nashville. It's like, how did you know? How did you know to call it Lightfield? How did you know all this? Those kinds of things. Um, this group is going to talk about, scripturally, where does that come from? How do you know? Uh, how do you figure out when it's him and when it's not just you kind of making your inner voice sound like big and booming so it sounds like God? Um, uh, Megan Kelly is teaching that one. Um, wrestling with contentment. Uh, all the time, people struggle because they hate their job. They feel, uh, you know, that they don't hate their marriage, but they're like, oh, I don't know, my, our marriage just isn't what it needs to be. Um, how, what, if, what if I made the wrong decisions about my career? What if I'm supposed to, to change? Um, our relationship with God is completely stagnant. I have no idea what to do about it. Uh, you know, just that, that thread of discontentment runs so, so, uh, so steadily through so many of our lives. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. Um, get in there and deal with it. Jake Rush is going to lead that one. Um, Living a cross-centered life. Um, We talk about that all the time. Uh, The New Testament constantly talking about, um, I will boast only in the cross of Christ. And so we sing songs about that and everything, but what in the world does that even mean? You know, it's like we know that that's important, but in a practical sense, you know, where do you even begin with that? Uh, Matt Iglesias is going to lead that one. Um, The Jewish roots of Christianity, uh, super important that we understand that the New Testament was written uh, from a perspective that is radically different than ours here in America. Um, 
Nance Hickson, who's a recent uh, LSU grad and is headed to Duke uh, to pursue his graduate work, is sort of our uh, resident New Testament scholar, I like to call him. I don't know if he's here or not, but uh, I'll embarrass him a little bit. Um, and he's been teaching, uh, like, Bible studies and stuff like that here at the BCM with college students. And one day I saw the notes from one of his things on the board, and it made my head hurt in a good way. Um, it's This one's going to be really good. And so he's going to get into some of those those cultural issues that existed at, at the time that will kind of help open up the scriptures uh, for us to maybe understand a little bit more some of the things that we've kind of talked about, about the kingdom um, and those kind of things that once you begin to understand it, you're like, oh, this is why the disciples were the way they were, that kind of stuff. So he's going to be teaching that one. And uh, spiritual formation in our feelings, um, fear, anxiety, depression. Like, what, How do you deal with that stuff? And you, you, you know that those things are holding you back, but you have no idea where to start what to do with it, how do you combat that. And uh, Taylor Vernon is going to be leading that one. Um, and so those are the things that, at this point that we're going to offer. And uh, here's, here's how it's going to work. Uh, this is how we're going to end tonight. In just a minute, we're going to pass these cards out. We're going to ask you to write down your top five choices. Um, I would love to say we'll, we'll give you your top three, but there, there may just may be one of those things where we can't have 150 people want to be in Taylor's, you know. And uh, so we might just have to, you know, whatever. So um, I would love to say, and that will be the goal for everybody to get one, two, and three. But you may get one, two, four. You may get one, three, four. You may get two, three, you know, whatever. Um, I don't really know how it's going to work because we've never done this before. So we're just gonna we're just gonna roll the dice and see what happens. Um, so we're gonna need you to do this: to fill out this card, your name, your email address, phone number, and write down your top five preferences in order. Okay. And then tell us if you want Monday, Tuesday, or you don't care. And if you want to be in a group with, like, your spouse or somebody like that, we'll give you a way to put that on there, okay? Um, and so uh, we're going to pass these out, and then that's how we're going to end. Just leave it, on, leave it on the chair or whatever, and then go over there and, and eat because the food, I saw them wheeling it over a few minutes ago, so it's all ready. But um, if you have any questions, I'll be here to, to answer them. Let me have some of our – you guys pass these out. All right, hope everybody sticks around to eat tonight. Um, like I said, free food and whatever. These guys are going to pass them out. If you would, fill those out for me. If you got any questions, holler at me. Otherwise, we'll see you all next time. Enjoy the food. Bye.